Welcome to the Tradie Success Podcast by Annette Wellsford, founder of Common Sense Marketing and Tradie Marketing Secrets. Annette's on a mission to help honest, hardworking tradies like you to become marketing geniuses. So you end up spending less time on the tools and more time growing a great business. Hello, I'm Annette Wellsford. This episode of Tradie Success is brought to you by instanttradingwebsites.com.au where tradies, you can get a low-cost, stunning website to showcase your expertise and bring you plenty of leads. Good morning, everybody. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by our guest speaker, Pete Williams, who is going to help us lift our profits, which is something that everybody, every business needs to do, particularly the trade businesses. So let me tell you a little bit about Pete. He's an entrepreneur himself. Um, he's, he's an advisor. He's a marketer. The Forbes magazine recently called him one entrepreneur today that every marketer should be modelling. And um, he is a southern regional finest in the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year program. He's a small business icon recipient and an Australian Business Award winner for marketing excellence. So he knows his stuff. <laughs> He's also the co-founder of numerous businesses across several different industries from telecoms to e-commerce. Some people have even called him Australia's Richard Branson. (laughs) Uh, Pete first made a name for himself, well, get this, and when at the age of 21 he sold the the MCG for under $500. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I wonder who bought it. But... The story of that is uh, all told in his first book, How to Turn Your Million Dollar Idea into a Reality. So I mentioned that he's got several companies. They include Infinity Telecommunications, Simply Headsets, Springcom Telecoms and Preneur Group, which is an advisory consulting firm that guides business owners through the process of increasing profits and margins. Now, that's what we want to know. So... What we're going to be talking about today is his book, Cadence, which um, actually won an international business award from Stevie's and he won the um, best business book in the world. How about that? In 2018. So welcome, Pete. Thank you, Annette. Appreciate you having me. That was a pretty impressive uh, summary of everything. I've got a lot to live up to now, but uh, so excited to be here. So I guess what would be really the best place to start would be if you could tell us a little bit about the the book Cadence. I'll just quickly um, describe. I've, I'm three quarters of the way through it, and I, I haven't been able to put it down. It's it's not a boring business book where it says you know step one do this, step two do that. It's actually a really interesting story about a business owner and triathlon coach who um, used to be a teacher, and then um, he decided he wanted to be an entrepreneur, and he opened a bike shop and found that he wasn't making his fortune like he thought he was going to be doing um, and he was really struggling to stay afloat, which I think everybody can identify with. And then he he met somebody who helped him um, change things. So I think that's a very sort of quick summary, but there's a lot more to it. <laughs> yeah, well, the book's um, been a fantastic little journey the last few years. So it's, it's basically... Um, Based on a true story, uh, we'll probably cover, you know, I have a telco group, which you kind of alluded to earlier, and literally 
across the road from our telco office, uh, my high school PE teacher opened a bike store, which oh. was um, just very bizarre. Anyway, um, I was trained to do my first Ironman triathlon. And during that time, he actually coached me for that um, that race. And during the time, you know, as we were sort of spending a lot of time training together and bits and pieces, I was giving him suggestions on how to grow the store and how to improve his business. And basically when I came to kind of tell the the growth of our business and the framework that we've used to sort of, you know, scale our various companies. I started out writing the book as a traditional, as you sort of alluded to, step one, step two, boring business book. I went, you know what? This sucks. This is not fun to listen to. This is not fun to read. And it surely wasn't fun to write. So I started thinking about how can I kind of make it more engaging for people to read, particularly for people, you know, who don't traditionally read business books and things like that. So I ended up taking that, that story of, um, my triathlon coach in his bike store and kind of basically making that the the foundation for the story and so tried to teach her the story. lessons. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously, there's a bit of an embellishment here and there in terms of things to make it really a, a great read and obviously change some of the order, but the actual seed of the story was 100% true when, and literally my, my high school PE teacher name was James in the book. We call him JJ. Um, so yeah, like very, very um, based in reality. And is he now a flourishing um, business owner? He's actually since sold the bike store. So he kind of um, grew it and exited and off into different parts of his, of his life now. Um, he's working with his brother in a, in a different business and they're going really, really well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's no interesting. Following those levers again. So tell us, you mentioned that the, the book is all around seven key levers or levers, however you want to say it. What are yeah. these levers? Yeah, well, look, I think the thing is that, you know, for so many business owners, whether you're, you know, a sparky, a landscaper, a builder, a hairdresser, a retail store, like effectively what we kind of stumbled across in our business is that there's only really seven things that drive profit. And I think for, for so many business owners, there's not a framework to focus on when you actually are off the tools. I think a lot of people understand the need to get off the tools and work mm. on their business. But the problem is when they get off the tools and start working on their business, there's so many things they can potentially do. There's so many ideas. There's so many options to market and, and focus on and grow. And you kind of get a bit overwhelmed and end up sort of, you know, just going around in circles quite often. And what we stumbled on in our business um, was these seven things that effectively, no matter what your business is, drive, drive the revenue and drive the profit. I guess, you know, a bit of backstory might even be helpful to kind of, you know, set the, set the tone before we dive into it is, you know, one of our core businesses is very much a trade-based business if you look at it. Um, you know, we started a, a business 15-odd years ago in the telco space, but we were basically, you know, selling and effectively installing phone systems. So it wasn't quite being as, as sparky as such, but we were, you know, offering the, service, the, the solutions of here's a phone system for an office and effectively, you know, doing the installation. Yep. But the way we started that business was we were marketers. You know, I, I don't have a trade background myself. I still, you know, 15 years on have no idea how to install and program a phone system myself. But what we did is we were doing very, very well in generating the leads, generating the, the, the sale effectively all across Australia. But we outsourced the installation to traders, to subcontractors who were, you know, qualified phone technicians who could go out and, you know, run the fiber, run the cable, install the system, program it up train the clients and that was really good for a lot of you know really fast growth for us in terms of we you know scaled nationally very quickly 
um, because we were able to generate leads and marketing all across the country. But the problem we found is our growth and our revenue hit a glass ceiling relatively quickly. And we couldn't kind of get beyond that. So we started figuring out, well, what's actually driving the profit in a business? What's driving the revenue? Where are the gaps? What drives revenue in other businesses? And we realized the problem we had is that we weren't getting any repeat business because we were literally handing our clients to competitors, these effectively subcontractors, really, these other trades, because they were the ones who go out and do the installation. So when a client wanted to buy more handsets, expand the system, reprogram it, you know, who would, who would they call? You know, they weren't calling us. They weren't calling the Ghostbusters. They were calling the person who actually turned up and did the installation yeah. for them. Did they build so, the relationship with us? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. They had the relationship with the client. We didn't. And that was kind of the first sort of spark to go, okay, well, what, you know, that was a big gap that drives revenue in other businesses that we were completely ignoring. So we spent time going, well, what are all the things that drive revenue and profit? And that's how this sort of seven levers framework kind of got developed from us, was out of us basically, you know, having a problem in our own business. And then now with this framework, this is all we focus on when it comes to growth. So basically to, you know, answer your, your question directly, the seven things in any business, you know, the first lever is suspects. You know, how do you get people to be aware of your business? This is the, oh, the so group not, of people. Not, not, uh, you don't mean um, he's a bit of a suspect sort of kind of person. <laughs> yeah, it's a suspect in terms of, you know, suspect they might be interested in doing business with you. Right. That's sort of a way to define That's it in terms of like, this is the marketing, the advertising you to get people to be aware of your business. You know, you suspect they might be interested in doing business with you. Then once you kind of have that group of people, you then want to find out what's the micro commitment or that step that person takes to really show they are interested in doing business with you. And we define that group or that second lever as the prospects. So this is a percentage of suspects who take some sort of micro commitment. You know, in our phone system businesses, they caught up and got a quote for the phone system and the installation. For, you know, a trader might be calling up to get a free quote for some sparky work or a landscaper might come and give a quote for the landscaping work. There's some micro-commitment that happens before so someone actually suspect, transacts. The suspects would be, might be people who visit your website and have a bit Absolutely. of a Absolutely, yeah. They haven't actually contacted you and when they do, they become a prospect. Yep, spot on. You know, a good, you know, non-trading analogy is, you know, someone who walks onto the onto a car lot is a suspect. Someone who takes that micro-commitment of going for a test drive shows more intent that, yeah. that they're, they're your prospect. In a, you know, I grew up selling shoes. That was my sort of university job. So someone who walked into the store was a suspect. Someone who sat down and tried on a pair of shoes, that was a prospect. They were more likely to buy because they made a step or a commitment towards actually the end transaction. And that happens in every business. And I think for so many business owners, they don't stop to differentiate what is that, that micro-commitment someone makes between being a suspect or just visiting your website and then actually buying. And, you know, the, the way you communicate, what you can do to those people, how you influence that is really important. So they're, they're your first three levers. You've got your suspects, then you've got your prospects, and then obviously the conversion, the group of people that actually end up buying from you. And really, you know, you can influence each of those three areas in different ways when you take time off the tools, focusing on each of those things individually. How are you driving more suspects to your website, for example? Then how do you get more people at your website to actually inquire with you? What are you doing on your website content-wise, marketing-wise to actually drive more people to pick up the phone or request yeah. a quote or do something like that? Action. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then once you actually are 
talking to those prospects. What are you doing? How do you quote? How do you sell? How do you communicate to those people? What are you doing with your, your quotes to engage and, and uh, encourage more people to actually you know, choose your services as opposed to that other Sparky or that builder or the landscaper that, you know, is also quoting, how do you stand out in that conversion conversation? So they're kind of the first three levers that businesses can In other words, influence. how do you get them across the line to... Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then, you know, the, the second part of, of the framework is the revenue side of things. So what are you doing to increase the average item price of the items or services that you offer? And then what are you doing to increase items per sale? So, you know, how are you able to sell, um, you know, your services at a higher price? And what other value are you offering? How are you positioning yourself? So that's increasing average item price. Now, how do you get someone to buy the large fries rather than the medium fries? Now, someone's still buying fries, but how do you get them to buy the, the more expensive or the premium offering? I know a lot of um, people, though, you know, get a little bit wary about that, don't they? They think, well, I'm not going to charge, you know, more money because Joe, Joe down the road, he's a bit cheaper and they're going to go with him. Totally. I, I, if we look at some, you know, tradie examples, like look, think about a landscaper. Obviously, there's different types of soil you can be recommending to your client, you know, or different types of grass. If you're laying grass in the backyard, I'm looking out my window at the moment um, and the house we've recently moved into has terrible grass. It's yeah. really patchy. So if the landscaper, you know, I speak to say come and you know do some new grass here he could obviously say to me okay well we can do this grass or we can do this premium grass or and here's the reasons why you want to buy this premium grass or this premium soil it's going to do long longer life's going to be better for you so i'm still buying grass i'm just buying the more expensive grass or again you know a, a trade person might be doing an extension in our backyard they might be putting a deck on well there's different types of timber better quality timber, better quality varnish, better quality things like that, which will, you know, I'm still getting the same thing done. I'm just buying the more premium version of it. Yep, gotcha. so that's kind of the way to think about that is how do you get people to pay a higher price point in terms of buying the premium versions of the offerings you have? Because you're actually giving them better value, I suppose. Totally, 100%, absolutely. Um, and then the second part of that revenue equation is, well, how do you get people to buy more items per sale? So you've got average item price, but then, then there's items per sale. So when someone does get their new grass laid from the, the landscaper, how do, how do you convince that person to also put in some new um, flowers or, you know, trees? If, yeah. if, if someone's doing a deck, how do you get them to also do the pergola at the same time? You know, my my um, gardener I've sort of helped quite a bit in his business you know he used to come and just mow my lawns and with him I said I said saying to him well mate you here to mow the lawns you know it's probably roughly due to do the gutters isn't it he's like oh yeah I can do the gutters for you he never actually asked me should we do the gutters and now like no then you know a couple of times later he'd come and do the grass and he's like oh there's not no worth doing the gutters today we did that last time I'm like well you know, looking at the driveway, do you have a pressure washer that can actually clean the driveway? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And I kind yeah. of just showed him that every time he turned up just to do the regular lawn mowing, there's got to be something else you can offer, offer me. I might not always say yes, but think about how can you add value to your client with additional services they might not be aware of because of ignorance or neglect or whatever it might be. So there's the two different things you can influence your revenue with is figuring out how you can get more a higher price point per service or item you sell, but then how do you get more items in that sale? They're two separate decisions that a customer makes and you can influence both of those in the way you communicate. And that's, yeah, again, that, you know. That landscape, that lawnmower man would love coming to your place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this, this is the crazy thing with his business is this is the, the sixth lever is transactions. How often do you get them to come back? 
how often can you work with a client? And for for um my the lawnmower, you know, gardener guy, he used to wait until I'd walk out into the backyard and basically the grass would get up to my knees. I'd be like, oh crap, I better get him to come back and call again. So I'd call him up and he'd come back and do the lawns. You know, and I said to him, like, mate, if you just text me every six or seven weeks and said, hey, Pete, it's probably due for a lawn mow. Can I come on Thursday? I'd just reply, yes. Don't wait for me because if you asked me politely, I would say yes. And that's going to give you one or two extra transactions from me every year. Yeah. You know, and what he did, he literally went down to, you know, the reject shop and bought one of those little, you know, $3 calendars. And then on Sunday nights with his wife, when they're watching Goggle Box or The Bachelor or whatever it was on, you know, TV on a Sunday night, he just sit there in the ads and text his clients from six weeks ago saying, we're due for, a, you're probably due for a mo, I'll convene your area on Friday. And he, and he increases transactions per client simply by doing that. Super, super easy. Same with like or, or a landscaper. Actually, you know, planned it all in advance, like my hairdresser does. Right. Absolutely. Let's book in the next, you know, the next visit. Mm. And again, you know, this is a scenario. So taking time off to tools to figure out, okay, what can I do in our business, in our particular trade to increase transactions per client? Is it some emails I should put together or some SMSs or is there a way I can pre-sell stuff at my next visit? Like what are the things we can offer and how can we communicate those? And, you know, each of those six things we've covered so far, suspects, prospects, conversions, average item price, items per sale and transactions, they're all separate things. And I mentioned it before, they're all separate decisions that a customer makes along a buying journey, but you actually as a business owner has the chance to influence it if you think about it proactively and put things in place. You know, and then the final level is obviously your expenses and your margins. You know, how, how are you managing your margins and managing your expenses to actually increase your overall profits? And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, working out deals with your wholesalers and your providers. Maybe it's logistics of your jobs to make your, your team more efficient so they can get, you know, more jobs in a particular month than they would have otherwise because they're, they're not traveling from one side of the city to other. You're sort of doing the Northeast in one day and the Southeast in another day. And you're getting a bit more efficient with those sort of things. There's a range of ways you can do that. Yeah. But this is the thing, like that was the first thing for us is just going, oh, there actually are seven things that, you know, whether it's our headset e-commerce business or our service department for the technicians or it's the phone system sales business or other businesses that we're involved in, you know, these are the seven things. And we literally spend time, you know, dedicated time off the tools going, how can we improve each of these areas separately? And the thing that really blew our mind, which we didn't realize at the time, was that when we or anybody really increases each of these areas by just 10%. So you just get 10% more people to your website. And then you get 10% more people actually making an inquiry. And, you know, you get only 10% more people coming back again. You know, you're increasing each of these areas by just 10%. We refer to them as, you know, 10% wins. The actual result, which blew our mind, it doubles the profit of your business. It literally doubles the profit of your business because seven small wins just mathematically double the profit. So it took a lot of pressure off us as business owners as well in terms of like, you know, we were trying to grow our businesses like, oh, we want to grow. We better double the amount of people coming to the website. We've got to double the amount of jobs we do every month. And that can get hard to do. I don't have the time to double my, my jobs. I don't have time to figure out ways to double or the budget to double my marketing. But if you just increase everything by 10%, just 10% more people coming to your website, 10% more people saying yes, Increase your average item price by 10%. Just getting, you know, 10% of your clients to buy the premium turf or buy, you know, the Cat 6 cable versus the Cat 4 cable that you can sell at a higher price point or whatever it might be that you offer. How do you get someone to buy the high, like one in 10 people to buy the higher priced 
offering. And then oh. one in 10 people to buy, the, get the gutters done at the same time as it, you're doing the lawn. And then That's an so extra 10% increase. Simple. And it's, it's so simple. Isn't it, when you yeah, it takes that. the pressure off totally. Um, it makes it achievable. You're not kind of, you know, over shooting it, trying to be Don Bradman hitting sixes every time. You're trying just to, you know, do singles and, and double sort of scenario. And that was what really blew our mind in our business. And that's like literally the focus we do. Our, our whole process is these are the seven areas that we focus on. And all we're trying to do every time we focus on them is just get a 10% increase. We're going to change the way out. We, we do our quotes. We're going to put some before and afters or some testimonials from past clients who've done sparky work or building work or landscape work or whatever it might be um, on our quotes. So when a client sees a quote, it's not just a price. They actually get you know, a, you know, a bit of confidence because there's a testimonial on, it, on, it, on the quotes. That simple things like that can give an increase in the amount of people that actually do decide to buy from you because there's a bit of third-party endorsements. Not a big thing to do. Takes one afternoon to change the design of your quote. Maybe make it a two-pager rather than just an email with the price. That simple change can increase it, give you a ten percent win in the amount of conversions you actually Absolutely. have in your business. Then you're giving your prospects. Um, a number of reasons to look at you instead of just exactly yeah. yeah and this is the crazy stuff some of these things are so simple to do and that's where this you know the the momentum um comes in which is awesome so yeah that's the framework that's how it's really made a massive difference to our business over the that's journey a word from our sponsor instant tradie websites tradies you know you need a good website so you can promote your business and generate more inquiries week after week but what if you don't have thousands to spend on it and no time or clue on how to build it yourself. Well, problem is now solved. You can create your own with one of the stunning instant tradie website designs. It'll be yours to keep on your domain name and the team at instant tradie websites will host it. They'll keep it secure. They'll show you how to add your content. They'll help you edit it and help you launch it to the world. That can even help you with low-cost marketing so that your new site is easily found online. Find out more at instanttradiewebsites.com.au now and check out the beautiful designs and low fees. So um, if, you know, we wanted to implement this into our own business, like the seven things, you'd be thinking, oh, gosh, that's a lot. How many, how much time? Do you mm. think that you need to devote to this each week? And do you do the whole seven at once or do you do one a week? I mean, how, what's the best way to go about yeah, it? question. Yeah. yeah, I have this sort of philosophy of this thing called core versus mechanics in that as a business owner, you know, there's there's two deliverables you have to do in the business. There's the mechanics of your business in terms of doing the work. You know, obviously, you know, rolling out the turf, pulling the weeds, you know, doing the painting of the house, like doing the actual work that you actually do. But then in yeah. terms of growth, there's a lot of core things that, you know, only you can do to actually grow your business. You can hire an apprentice to do a lot of the mechanical stuff. Most business owners do. That's how you grow. But then you have to make sure you're still spending this core time about, you know, on your business growth stuff. So in terms of time, look, you know, some of the examples I just gave, you know, you can get them done in two or three hours. You know, it's not hard to think about some of these things and go, okay, well, I can, you know, um, make sure we have a, a Google Places listing to get more people to be aware of our particular trade in a particular area. You can set up a Google Places listing in three or four hours, and that might give you 10% more um, awareness or more people to your website. So literally, you know, the recommendation is if you just carve out two or three hours a week to start with and just have that's my core 
growth time. You know, maybe it's Monday mornings. 10% of your work time should be yeah. spent building your business. On 10% wins. Oh, I love that. I hadn't even thought of that before. 10% of your work time for 10% wins. That's beautiful. And, <laughs> you know, so in terms of, the, you know, what do you work on? I think, you know, the first place to start really, I recommend people do, and what, what we do with businesses we work with or invest in is like, hey, let's just start with defining what is each of these levers for me? What is a suspect for my business? Because a suspect for a retail store like Athletes Foot is someone who walks into the store. Yeah. Whereas an e-commerce store is someone who visits your website. If you're a tradie, it could be a website, it could be something else. You know, you've got to just define what is a suspect for you. Well, what's yeah, a prospect? It could be somebody who visits your website. It could be somebody who visits your Google My Business listing. It could yep. be somebody that has a look at your Facebook business page or your Instagram business page. So mm-hmm. it's the awareness factor, isn't it? When they become totally. Yeah. Mm. And just being the time going, okay, what are each of the things that, you know, how do we define a prospect? Well, for us, it's someone who gets a quote. It's someone who actually just calls and makes an appointment. You know, every business is slightly different. So that's the first place I'd start is just spend some time to actually go, what is each of these levers for our business? And then the second step is, what are we currently doing to influence it? What are we currently doing to drive you know, suspects in our business. What are we? What's our current quoting process look like? That's what we give prospects to then make a decision off to buy. What does our current quote look like? And you isolate each of the things, each of the things you do to influence each of the things. Like, what are we currently actually doing to get people to buy more services every time? Do we have a, a sales presentation? Do we, do we put in our quotes? Do we, you know, ask the question? Like, what are we actually, and maybe, maybe you're not doing anything in, in some of these areas. And that's great. You just make a note saying, well, nothing really proactively being done here, nothing proactively being done there. And it gives you a bit of a, a health check almost of where you're currently at. So I guess you need to, and when you say the health check, part of that is actually just like setting a benchmark and like knowing the numbers, like knowing how many people come to your website, how many quotes you do, and how many mm-hmm. of them convert. So once you've got the baseline, you, then you can Im- make the improvement. Like if you know yeah, well, you run five kilometres in, um, I don't know, an hour, well, you want to mm-hmm. make that 50 minutes next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you can't figure out what a 10% increase is if you don't actually know where you're starting at. So you're yeah. absolutely right with that yeah. one. Yeah. And then I think it literally is just starting with one at a time. Like, and, and there's no, you know, do you start at suspects first or do you, do you not? Like, I don't think it really matters where you start. Start with where you think the biggest opportunity or the lowest hanging fruit are. And then whether it's once a week, you go through one lever a week over the next seven weeks or you do one lever a month, depending how much time or enthusiasm or um, energy you have to devote to this. Is, you know, even if we said you could double your business in seven months' time, I think most business owners would be wrapped if they could double their profit in seven months. Everyone wants it faster than that. But even yeah, if you said... Their hours worked. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we just say, look, well, one a month, just, you know, this month, try and figure out how you can get a 10% win in your conversion rate. Next month, try and figure out how you can get a 10% win in your transactions. The following month, how do you increase suspects by 10%? And just once a month, try and increase everything by, by um, 10% and just keep cycling through that. You know, going back to the bad cadence analogy um, or bad pun, it's like, well, you know, just keep cycling through the levers. You know, once you get through it once, go back to the start and keep going through it. Because if you could double the profit of your business every seven months, I think you'd agree you'd have a phenomenal business result. Wow, um, and that's that's the way, you know, we encourage our teams to focus how we um, scale our businesses is literally just going through each lever one by one, 
trying to figure out how we can increase it by 10%, then move on to the next one and just continually cycle back through that process over and over again. Some months we might, you know, put an idea in place and it gets a 6% win. The next month we might put another idea in place and it might get a 13% win. Like there's going to be, you know, ebbs and flows, but that's okay. It's just that consistency of focusing on what actually drives revenue and what actually drives profit in the business. You keep recording those, those, results so that you know mm. that making progress yeah absolutely um and i think for you know a lot of tradies who you know you've, you've done your apprentice apprenticeship and you're really good on the tools you don't get taught how to run a business which i think is such a shame that you know that, that doesn't really get taught um in trade school or anything like that you get taught how to use the tools really well and you're good at following a process you know how to you know you know build a deck you do the foundation first and you do this and you do that like there's obviously a process that you follow as a tradie this becomes, you know, the similar sort of process you follow to work on your trade business. So just, just to throw a bit of a curly one, because I could imagine there'd be a couple of tradies listening to this who say, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm a builder or I'm a painter or whatever, and I don't get much of an opportunity to, to do like repeat business and to, so to, you know, I think it was level number five or something Mm -hmm. to, to get them to buy from you more regularly, you know, because they're only going to buy every 20 years or so. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a couple of things. Like for example, I know a, um, a pool, I'll I'll use a slightly different example for, to start with. I know a, um, a pool installer. Who obviously, okay, you know, you only, yeah. only install a pool, you know, once in a house generally. Yeah. You know, normally install multiple pools. But what he did, he he went, okay, well, hang on. What do people do before or after installing a pool? And how can I possibly, whether it's expanding my own services to offer those things, uh, or team up with someone else to kind of, you know, get a really substantial referral commission. And what he looked at is he he went, well, you know, we can install a pool, but how about we start installing paving or decks around the pool or minor landscaping? So that was the way he was able to get more transactions per client because they'd come and they'd go, yep, I'm going to install the pool. And then he, he would, you know, be able to say, well, let's come back and do the, the paving for you or let's come back and do the gardening around it or let's actually add on the pool maintenance. So not just we do installation, we actually do maintenance now is a way to get more revenue from those clients yeah, well, it's a good example because we've just had a pool installed and yes our pool installer did do the earthworks and arrange for the paving which we had to pay extra for but he they did they didn't help us with the fencing or mm. uh, landscaping or or um any of the the the, the stuff to put in the pool or the yep. you know maintenance of it and we had to go and source all it ourselves and you think, oh, yeah, that's a, a missed opportunity. Totally, absolutely. And, you know, and in some industries, it becomes a little bit harder. Like if you're a milk bar, you know, selling milk and bread, transactions per client is really easy. It's a consumer yeah. where they come back every five days and buy another litre of milk. Yeah. But, you know, if, as a, if you're a, a full builder, it definitely becomes a little bit harder. But how do you go back and, you know, follow up clients and say, well, what, what extensions can we do? You know, in, you know, maybe it's a three or four year transaction cycle, but let's redo the bathrooms. Like, how do you actually think about that and you know, give the clients a good experience up front? So when they do want to redo the kitchen or the bathroom, or they want to do an extension or whatever else it might be, you can be the people who actually do that service. Because they um, think first, because you've got Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And again, you know, as I said, you know, some businesses, you know, you look, they have, you know, in a particular month, they might have, 
seven transactions a month because they're a milk bar. Whereas a builder might be one transaction every three years. You know, every business is going to have slightly different sort of scenarios. Um, but, you know, there are always ways when you sit down in isolation and go, okay, in isolation, I'm a builder. How can we get more transactions per client? What are the things that could actually possibly happen? Well, we could install sheds in the backyard in 12 months' time. Of you know, course, we can. There are, and these, these are just, I'm looking out my back window and see a shed in the backyard. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's what something could have been done. That was probably <laughs> not installed flat. at the time this yeah. house was built. Or granny flats, um, you know, and maybe that's not quite what you want to be doing as a service, but maybe you can team up with someone and say, well, let's JV on this sort of back-end transaction scenarios. Um, and yeah. that's, that's the important thing. I think that's where the framework helps so many people because it forces you to answer specific questions because most people when they go oh okay i'm gonna sit down and try and work on my business and grow it that's such a broad problem to solve yeah. whereas you know the framework gives you that kind of forced focus in that okay i'm going to try and get more people who see my quote to actually buy from me they've already they're already a prospect so they've already had this experience to this date now they're a prospect. How do I improve that process from prospect to conversion? It's a finite thing. What do I do there? They've bought from me before. How do I go back and get more revenue out of them in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, hypothetically, could you, if you're a builder, maybe you could start, invest, partner, buy a cleaning service. Somebody who buys a brand new home, wants to keep it clean. Maybe that, that type of person has the budget to actually get a regular cleaner. Wow, that's Why could they offer that service? Yeah. You know? Now, some of those things, it's like you're expanding your business and you're expanding your offerings um, beyond your current kind of world. Like, you know, if you're a landscaper, you know, coming back and doing the lawn every three months or coming back to do, you know, some guttering, it's not I don't have to hire new people or buy new equipment or, you know, expand the business too much. Maybe if you're a builder to start doing, you know, home maintenance, it might be a bit of a, a, a broader um, business um expense or business development or you know business model unit or anything like that but still like these are the, it at least forces you to think in the context of that particular question and that particular profit sector of your business that's that's um yeah that's really good sort of lateral thinking about you know leveraging the existing relationships we for example um we have um a painting client who's been with us for many years. We've done all their websites and all their marketing um, and they've grown their business substantially and they were thinking along the same lines and they teamed up with a guy who specialises in um, pressure washing houses mm. you know, with the equipment and um, they get him to do um, all the pre-cleaning on the houses that where they paint the exterior and then come along and clean up afterwards. And in return, he recommends their services to all his own clients and yep. they feed each other um, a new client at least one or two a month. It's incredible mm -hmm. how it's worked out. Yeah. And so there's that way to sort of drive um, referral business, which is awesome. But there's yeah. also situations where the painter could actually, you know, rather than, you know, pass the client onto the, the pressure washer, he could actually just sub like or, or you know, hire that pressure washer on an hourly they, basis and say, do. yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just, yeah, put, put, our, put our shirt on, come as, uh, a, you know, act as an employee of us 
we'll pay you your wholesale hourly rate. So it's still, he still, the painter still owns the client relationship. He's just offering other services that he hasn't actually had to overhead or fixed cost against. So there's, yeah. that's a really cool way. Just, this is where I've seen this framework work really well. It just gives you that focus of what to do when you actually are off the tools because the thing I, 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 I hear so often is that, yeah, we get off our tools, but we don't know actually what to do, or what to focus on. And we just sort of are jumping from one idea to the other one tactic to another we're kind of you know confusing activity with progress you know we're busy doing stuff but we're not really sure where it actually fits or why we're doing it it's just we're doing it to make ourselves feel busy when we're off the tools um and that's where you know things like this sort of can really help help. you now provided like a solid framework and a step-by-step process to follow and I know in this lovely story which I can't wait to finish because I want to know what happens to JJ (laughs) (laughs) um you 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 give little um hints all the way you know where he keeps saying well how do I implement that what does it mean for my business I don't know what to do it sounds fine in theory but what should I do so Mm. that's um that's where I found the book really um not just uh here's what you need to do kind of you know process but uh here's a how to do it as well so it was, it's really, really good, intertwined with this little story. So um, I, what I'm going to do um, today is um, after we finished our call is we will put together the show notes which sort of go over all the things we've, we've talked about today and, um, and we'll put in a link to the website where our listeners can get your wonderful book, Cadence. I recommend everybody um, get it, and you can you can get it in um, hard copy format. You can get it as a, an audio, which I've listened to of when I've been out walking the dog, and I think you've even got a, an electronic PDF version too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what, what, how does it, how does it go? What's the late night infomercial saying? Where all good books are sold? Is that kind of the, the way you pitch this stuff? <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, I think for podcast listeners, I strongly recommend getting the audio because. Yeah. Um, amazingly and you know this is definitely not my doing it's a production team it actually won audio book of the year a couple of wow. years ago um, which was awesome because it's a story we were yeah. able to do some really engaging stuff with the soundtrack not that there's like there's not laugh tracks in it like a very terrible 90s sitcom but there's sort of some really subtle kind of um, sound bites um, you know to sort of re- keep people engaged and stuff and obviously it went really well because it won audio book of the year so if you're a podcast listener um, then obviously audio seems to be your medium of choice. So, yeah, definitely get the uh, audio book. I don't read it either, which is even more enticing. You've got a professional voiceover artist to read it, so it's even more enjoyable to read than hearing me kind of uh, mash the English language together. In it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you undersell yourself, Pete. So um, the other thing um, I'd like to mention is if, if we did have a listener who wanted a full-on kind of, um, okay, you've got me, um, but I want some help. I believe that you, your businesspreneur can. Yeah, look, so, yeah, there was, there's, there's a couple of ways, really. So there's Preneur Group, which is obviously the consulting firm where we, we work with businesses, um, a lot of them in our own portfolio. Otherwise, we just do some consulting, kind of helping people kind of address their their understanding of the framework and how it applies to their business. We also run a program at Deakin University, which is pretty cool. I've been doing the last couple of years where we actually get SME business owners, whether it can be, you know, a tradie or it can be a retail store or an agency or any, any sort of business we work with. And what happens is we get students in their final year of their undergrad or the first year of their postgrad degrees 
And what we actually do is we actually create little consulting cohorts of four or five students. And over a six or seven-week period, they actually work with an SME business where they actually do this for them. They actually look at the business and do the health check and help clarify um, and define what the levers are for the business, try and figure out what they can calculate. And they actually produce a project brief for the client on one specific tactic to get a 10% win in one wow. particular lever. And the client, no cost at all, gets basically like a project brief, um, you know, of, of here's the idea, here's the recommendation, here's the supplies, here's the budget, here's the timeline, go and implement this and get a 10% win in one area of your business. Um, that's been a lot of fun. So we were doing that for a few years with Deakin University. Um, so if anyone's interested, you know, reach out as well because we're happily always looking for more clients and things like that. Sorry, so that's always a good program. Can I put a link to uh, somewhere? To yeah, perfect. Yep. That we'll, throw a, we'll throw a link into the show notes. So, yeah, brilliant. Oh, look, this has been, well, I'm sure um, we could talk for hours, but this is this has been illuminating um but uh, and not only illuminating but a load of fun and some really fantastic ideas um and examples that you've provided Pete and it's just um I think it's always worthwhile listening to a podcast when you at the end of it you can you know go away and, and have at least three things that you can implement straight into your business straight away without um you know in, in a in a quick and get some quick wins. That's what it's all about, really. Yeah. But I suggest that everybody um, listening get the book first so you've got the full picture of the full system and the how to implement it. And if, you, if you'd if you like um, Pete and his, Pete's help or his students' help in implementing part of it into your business, yeah, why not? Go for it with uh, Deakin <laughs> University or the Printer Group. Yeah, brilliant. But, again, yeah, there's nothing really to do with except for just helping people out and people want to buy phone system we can do that but other than that we've got nothing really to sell people <laughs> just trying to help <laughs> oh look love love your um love your business love your work and and i love your offer thank you so much pete for coming on and being our guest today i oh, appreciate it Annette. hope uh, the listeners had some some value and a few aha moments and just got them thinking a little bit differently about you know getting off the tools and and working on their business and focusing in some some key areas those profits, doubling those profits. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well done for listening to this podcast. You've taken another step towards becoming a marketing genius. Visit tradiesuccess.com.au to grab the transcript of this podcast and other useful marketing goodies and take some sort of marketing action today.